Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and love. Cleanse us from sin and trespass. And Lord, we just pray you can minister to our hearts now from your word. Father, as we look to you, we pray for anyone who be here, Lord, that doesn't know you. That you would speak to their hearts. And Lord, that they would be able to see how much you love them and how much you want to change their lives, Lord, by just a simple gospel, Lord, that can transform our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, please. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 40. The message is entitled, God Saved the Ethiopian. The gospel has been uh, preached by Philip at this point to those at Samaria. And many have believed. So the church has sent Peter and John to investigate and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And while this great revival is going on there, it is during this time that now Philip is called away just for one man. God is so different than us. We always want to be around where everybody is. We want to be around where the popular people are. We want to be around you fill in the blank. But God is not impressed by any one of us or any group. And he always sees the need of people for salvation. That's really what God's in the business of doing. Getting people saved so he can turn their lives around and teach them and show them exactly what it is to live. Salvation is a mystery in many different ways. And we don't always know how all that works out with the preaching, the individual, and the one who is uh, uh, open, not open. But we know that God is just and that he... Uh, it will do all that he can to minister as the gospel is preached, then the Holy Spirit turns on the light so that that individual has the ability to choose of his own free will because God never forces anybody to be saved. Now, you may not even know the thing about predestination and free will, and it doesn't really matter. But one thing you need to know is that God doesn't force you to go to heaven. No, no, no more than a man would force a woman to marry him and that she would love him. No way. So in other words, for love to be valuable and to be respected and to be honored, it must be voluntary. You must yield to it. If you don't, then really there's no love motive behind it, but it's a compulsion. And that's offensive. And so God in his way, he allows every person to be able to make that decision based on the proclamation of the gospel. So the same message is for every generation and for every race, for every culture, it works. The gospel has not diminished at all since it's been given. It works the same today as it did for the first generation. And that's why we have to understand that the gospel transcends culture. We don't have to try to culturalize the gospel to be cool or to communicate. No, 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 no. All we have to do is proclaim the gospel. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is open the gate and let him out. He'll do what he has to. And the same with the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation, the Jew first and to the Gentile. And so here in, um, in, in chapter 8, let me read here from verse 26 on down, and I'll give you the division on it. Um, as the background is Samaria, and now God says, Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. 
And so he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charged him of, of her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot. Uh, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the, the chariot. And so Philip ran to him and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah saying, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guide me? And he asked Philip to come up and to sit with him. And the place of the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and was a lamb before the shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, here God brought salvation to the Ethiopian eunuch here in certain ways. Three ways that are given to us here, three steps. First, you have God using the obedience of Philip regarding the will of God. That's primary, obedience. God directs and guides us, and we obey. He is the one who gives the orders. You find this in verse 26 to 28. And then God used Philip by the Spirit of God in verse 29 to 35. So that we are a vessel, we're really not the one doing the work. And then thirdly, God used Philip to offer salvation that God had offered to the Ethiopian eunuch here as he does to everybody else, verse 36 to 40. And so notice here in verse 26... To 28, God used the obedience of Philip. Now, remember, with the background, there's a revival going on in Samaria. Things are happening. Man, people are getting saved. The Holy Spirit is coming upon them. And God is doing a new work now. Samaritans were half-breeds. They weren't thought very highly of the Jew. And all of a sudden, God is starting to save them. And in the midst of this excitement and all that's going on, God pulls Philip completely out. Because there's a guy down here in the desert who has come to Jerusalem in one of the feast days to worship, and he's going back, and he hasn't heard the gospel. Now, I don't know how all this works, but God is just, and God always will be responsible to get the gospel to a person before they die. I cannot tell you when, where, or how, but it will happen. Because God said that he sent his only son to die for the whole world. Now, if he died for the whole world, then the whole world has to hear to get an, get an a chance to, to accept Christ, right? If he excludes one person, then God can't be just. He has to be unfair. 
So I don't have to explain how or when or where. All I have to do is know the character of God. That he's absolutely holy. And that if he sent a son for the whole world, then the whole world must have at least one chance for God to be able to judge them and say, why did you not receive my son? There must be a chance and an opportunity to preach or to respond to the gospel. So in verse 26, Philip was told by the angel to leave this Samaritan uh, revival, go down to Gaza. Now, angels are ministering spirits to the earth. Salvation, Hebrews tells us uh, in 114, and we see angels being used by God in many different ways. In Samaria, again, I respond to the gospel. And Gaza is down there where we hear in the news all the time with the PLO, and they're always harassing the Jews. Well, it's the Gaza Strip. It's down to the cities of the Philistines, by the way, which is what they named the, city, the, the land of Israel, uh, Palestinia, to offend the Jews, to insult the Jews. But the land was always the land of Canaan. So there's no Palestinian. It's a man-made history thing. There's never been a Palestinian nation, never a Palestinian flag or anything else until after 1955. You see? It was an insult towards the Jews that Rome salted the land and named it Palestinia. It was the last thing, 135, 32, 35, somewhere around there. And so here, Gaza, Gaza was really that, that strip of land right before you go into Egypt. And, and, and the Philistines really, as they first came into the land, they guarded the, um, the, anybody who would come towards Egypt. They were like, like uh, fortresses. And so here, again, God is using Philip, and Philip obeys, and he arises, and he goes, in verse 27 there, he knew God was guiding his steps. And so we need to tune our ear to the voice of God. Some of you Christians, you know, you, you and I are supposed to be reading the Word of God, and we're supposed to be sensitive, because you and I have been saved by grace through faith, but there's others of our friends and loved ones who are lost. Nice people. There's some bad people. But the heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked, Lord, right? And so God is in the business of saving lost people. And that means the whole world. So here, Philip understands the obedience, that obedience is primary. God would rather us obey than to do some sort of sacrifice. First Samuel fifteen twenty two says, to obey is better than to sacrifice. And then Philip noticed in 27 there, down to 28, saw the man of Ethiopia. He was a eunuch. Uh, he was the overseer of the chamber of, uh, of harem of the women. And, of course, he's a eunuch. This way, the, the, the harem is protected from himself also. Okay? But he's a man of importance. And um, he, is, he was barred, really, from the congregation, according to the law in Deuteronomy 23. And yet, as he comes, he's a proselyte. He's not a Jew. He has converted to the Jewish faith. There were a few Gentiles that did this. And he was a man of great authority, known as under Candace the Queen, um, the mother of Ethiopia. And uh, Candace is a title, like Pharaoh. And he was in charge of all her treasury, and he had come to worship in Jerusalem, and he was returning now. And he's reading Isaiah the prophet, and he can't not make heads or tails out of it. Sometimes people will pick up the Bible, start reading, and say, I don't understand this thing. But if there's a desire to seek out God, God sees our heart, then God will turn that light on. Whether it be when you're alone or when God sends somebody like Philip here. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that sheds light to bring conviction so that the person can 
make that change if they desire. You remember Peter in obedience went to the house of Cornelius in Acts 10 and preached the gospel to the Gentiles. And as he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon him. He didn't even get to make an altar call. They just got saved. By the grace of God. As he's preaching. God is interested in our obedience to do his will more than our works. Sometimes we get caught up with works as if God is impressed with my works. He's not. The works that I do, if they're done for the right motive, out of godly love for God and for the people, then I'll get some reward. But if I do work simply to be seen of men, then that's my reward. You've got it. And so God is more impressed with my obedience to his will. Jesus said, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day, John six forty. So this is the whole goal. This is the whole purpose of God sending the Son to save you, to save myself, that we may reach out to, out to others. Again, some of you may be here don't know Jesus Christ, that God wants you to open your heart to him. He wants to deal with your heart about where you're at. What would happen if you would die? What would happen if something would happen to your life not too far in the distance or right away or whatever it may be? Would, would you go to heaven? Uh, on what basis would you go to heaven? The Bible says that if we don't know Jesus Christ, we have no basis. Because, see, I have sin. And, and if I don't have a way by which my sin can be forgiven, then how can I have access to God? And how can I enter heaven? Because God is the epitome of holiness. And man, though he's creating the image and likeness of God, he's fallen. We have sin nature. Darkness attracts us. Darkness pulls us. Darkness wins most of the time. And so what he wants us is to be born again so that now we can say no to sin. Never perfect, but now we don't have to live in bondage to sin. And that's what salvation is all about. So we can see the two-way street once we're born again being not born again, you only see a one-way street. Absolutely one way. And so God used the obedience of Philip for the will of God here. Now the background, don't forget it. All this stuff is happening in Samaria. God pulls him out for one person. You remember the parable of the lost sheep, right? One goes astray. He goes after him, right? And the angels of heaven rejoice over one sinner, right? You see, sometimes churches are, 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 are not impressed when they don't have hundreds and thousands. If, if someone, if one person comes to hear you, you're most privileged. What a privilege to preach the gospel. If one person would come to a study. A lot of people don't have Sunday night studies anymore. A lot of churches are cutting out Sunday night. Because they say not enough people come. If one person comes, you should have Sunday night. Because you're not there to be applauded and you're not there to impress people. You're there to proclaim and to teach the word of God for the people of God. Now notice here again in 29 to 35, then God used Philip by the spirit of God. So even though he is the instrument, Philip was led and guided to the Ethiopian. The spirit spoke to Philip, just like the spirit spoke to Barnabas and Saul and the prophets and the teachers that were there at Antioch in Acts 13 too. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work of the ministry which I have called them. And the Holy Spirit sent them out. You know what the problem is today? The church is sending people out instead of the Holy Spirit. The church didn't send them out. The Holy Spirit called them and sent them out. And so we think we have it wired. 
And we've got church growth principles and we've got all these other plans and we're all good organizers and we do all these things and we're spinning on wheels because if God hasn't sent you, you're running in vain. It's very important. Notice in 30 and 31, Philip engaged in conversation here. And Philip heard him reading from Isaiah. And he questions him about his understanding. You understand this? The Ethiopian acknowledges his ignorance. How can I understand unless somebody helps me? Here he's crying out for help. He's not arrogant. He's not proudful. His heart is open. God will open doors for you to share with some, those of you who are Christian. And some people will say, you know what? I don't want to hear it. Then fine. Say, great. I don't press the issue. If someone says, I don't want to hear the gospel, I just, I'll pray for you. And that's it. We don't force people. But if people are open, then you walk through that door. Notice Philip heard the passage he was reading. He was reading from Isaiah, that passage of, of the suffering Messiah. He's quoting from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew writings. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? And his life was taken from the earth. Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. You know, he has a scroll. That means he's a man of wealth and importance. Scrolls were very rare. It wasn't like when they print out books today. When you wrote a scroll, it take a... And especially the scriptures. They went through all kinds of ordeals of the scriptures. The priests, they had to, the, the scribes countered every letter, every word, divided the text in the middle, counted the words, everything else. Everything had to be space of a hairbreadth. And if there was any mistake that couldn't be erased, they'd throw it away or they'd burn it or they'd bury it. Every time the name of God came up, the priest would have to change his clothes, take a bath, and change the pen. You know how many times the word of God, the name of God is mentioned in Isaiah? They're very valuable. And by the way, we value the new. They valued the old. The old was a, was, was a more valuable. I'm sorry, the new was a more valuable. We value antiques, right? We put a value on that. They valued the new one. Because when the old one was getting old, they would make a new one. And the new one was more valuable because it would last longer. Right? Just the reverse. You've got animal skins, you've got parchments, you've got different materials. And so they didn't have books printed. There were scrolls that were rolled out. And here the scroll uh, is explained by Peter. He comes, or Philip, he comes next to him. And he begins to expound Jesus to him. Now, they didn't have a New Testament. This is Old Testament. How would you do, Christian, preaching Jesus from the Old Testament? He's all over the place. Now, the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old, but nevertheless, here he's preaching to him. And the Ethiopian was teachable. Look at verse 24. He's teachable. Philip proclaims Isaiah was speaking of Jesus. It's the red thread throughout the Old Testament. God will guide us if we have a circumcised ear. Tune to the Lord. The scriptures are very, very clear. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. 
God's Spirit will always engage us in conversation in the most natural way with people. He will open those doors. He will direct and guide us. Some will reject. Others will accept. But either way, God is the one who's doing the work. And as He has opened your eyes and your heart to be able to minister the gospel, so you're able to communicate to people what it's being spoken within the Scriptures. And God will give that light to the individual who doesn't know Christ to make that decision one way or the other as we're going to see right here with the Ethiopian eunuch. And so the Holy Spirit of God uses the Word of God to convict people about their sins. Because God is the only one that can bring conviction. When you point your finger to somebody else, you insult them. You cause them simply to get mad at you or to get insulted or to just want to retaliate. But when God's Holy Spirit brings conviction upon a heart, one of two things will happen. The heart of that person will become hard and stiff to reject or will become broken recognizing the sinful life that they have and their need of salvation. It's one or the other. You know, it's like clay. The very sun that hardens the clay softens the wax. It all depends on the condition of your heart, right? If it's clay, it hardens. If it's wax, it'll melt and be open to God. So the false not of God, the false not of the word of God, the false is the person who hears the word. The heart, Jeremiah 79, is deceitful, desperately wicked. And so that's the problem. Your problem is not your intellect. You're not that smart. Your problem is your heart. You get offended because God says you're a sinner. You missed the mark. And you need to humble yourself and repent from your sins and declare that you have a need of a Savior. But that proclamation is not to humiliate you, but it's to change your life and to care for you, to forgive you from that which is destroying you, changing your heart and your life so you can experience life to the fullest. To make right choices. To know absolute truth. To be able to distinguish what false information and error is because you have the absolute truth by the word of God. And God's the only one that can do that. And so God used Philip by the spirit of God. And he will use you and myself to take the gospel to people. Always. But notice 30 there in 36 to 40. God used Philip to offer salvation to God. So if God opens the door and I'm able to minister, I never, I never do that or go that far without ever asking somebody, would you like to accept the Lord? I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again. I'm not afraid that somebody says, no, I don't want to accept the Lord. I'm not offended. You're not rejecting me. Sometimes people go, well, I don't want to ask. You know, why not? If we recognize that that person is on their way to hell, why would I not offer him salvation? If you left here today and you came to a stop sign and you saw a person crossing the crosswalk and they didn't see a car coming, would you just be silent or you yell to say, hey, get out of the way? Automatically you would yell because you would see the real danger they're in. The problem is we see people, oh, they're nice, oh, they're neat, this and that. We don't see them in danger of perishing. If we saw them in the real condition of perishing, we would warn them. 
And that's the problem. You know what hinders us? Our eyes. Because we look at the outward appearance. And we think everything's okay. But God looks at the heart and he says, everything's all messed up. And so we need to follow the lead of God. Notice in 36, Philip was, um, was asked by the Ethiopian to be baptized. What hinders me to, to be baptized? Well, he had been baptized as a proselyte already. As he converted to the Jewish faith. And he asked, what hinders me? Because here we see that there is some communication, whether it was from Philip himself here or not. But he understood that once he confesses Christ, then the need of public confession through the baptism. So in 37, Philip told him the only thing that would make his baptism valid was to believe with all his heart that Jesus was Lord, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And he said he did. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There is the key answer. If you believe Jesus is just a good man, that's not good enough. If you believe that he's just a prophet, that's not good enough. If you believe he's one of the, the, the greatest teachers, that's not good enough. You must believe that he is the Christ, Jesus, the Son of God. God in the flesh. 100% man, 100% God, the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. The one who died in your place and rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father to make intercession as you call upon him to save you. Very specific. A very specific declaration in the gospel. That's what saves us. Not just mere say, well, I believe. What do you believe? Devils believe, and at least they tremble. So you must believe according to the scriptures. And so the way was very narrow, not broad. Notice that. Very specific, not general. The act was repentance. Repentance can be defined like this. Acknowledging your sin by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, confessing your sin, abandoning your sin, and whenever possible, make restitution of your sin. Though it's not always possible nor advisable to do so sometimes. But whenever you can, you do that. That's evidence of repentance. If somebody steals money and then he gets saved and he says, well, forgive me, fine, okay, but you got the money? Restoration is, is right, right? If you're truly repentant, then you should be able to restore the money, right? Simple. And so here again, repentance is a dirty word today. You don't hear it much over the pulpits of America. But the Bible is very clear about repentance. John the Baptist opened the New Testament, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. Malachi closed with the same message. When John the Baptist was thrown in jail and prison, Jesus picks up the ministry, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. Jesus leaves the disciples in the book of Acts, they preach, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. Repentance. They are Pentecost. Repentance, 3,000 were added to the church. And so if we exclude repentance from the pulpit, if we exclude repentance from preaching of the gospel, a gospel that offers no repentance and proclaims the need of repentance and is void of it, it's not a gospel. Because the word gospel means good news. The good news that there's a way for you and I to get right with God. It's repentance through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
And so Philip here baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch in 38 through 39. And um, they went down into the water. And then Philip was caught away in the spirit. The word caught away there is harpazo, the same word for the rapture. Suddenly, violently. And he was translated miraculously to the city of Azotus. The same thing's going to happen to the church of Jesus Christ. And as we look to the world scene, I, I, I don't think the world has much time. Everything is winding down. And one day Jesus is going to return for his church and he's going to rapture us, harpazle, suddenly, violently, in the air to meet the Lord and all our loved ones. This is the very same word. And notice that Philip um, is caught away and the Ethiopian went on his journey Bummed out? No, rejoicing. This is the result of salvation. That you know that all your sins have been forgiven and that he's cast them as far as east as the west, buried in the deepest ocean, and that the blood of Jesus Christ has made you whiter than snow. And though you still remember your sins, other people remember your sins, though they will not forgive you maybe, it doesn't matter, God has forgiven you. And because you depend upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you are a son and a daughter of God. And if that's true, the rest of your life, you will be the first to know how radical your life changes. You're not going to live the same way you did before. Because your body is the temple of God, the Spirit of God resides in you, and you begin to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you become a Christian, increasing more and more each day by His grace to bring Him glory. And so, Philip continued on being used of God. Philip the evangelist, he, the, he goes from Samaria to the desert and he goes on preaching on these cities that he's walking through. It's just another day serving the Lord. Now, tonight, maybe you're like this Ethiopian eunuch. You've come, you just thought you're going to come to a concert or they told you about the Lord, either way. And God gives you an opportunity even now. He says that he loves you, but he cannot bestow his love upon you when you haven't repented. Any more than a father or a mother who has disciplined their children and they're at odds. That father and mother loves their children. They don't want to just punish them, but they want their child to acknowledge their failure. And once that acknowledgement happens and there's an asking of forgiveness, then there's reconciliation. Now the father and mother can be stole a love in a positive way. But that love is there in the negative way withholding that because there is no acknowledgement of the wrong. Now that you've acknowledged your sin, then God is able to bestow his love upon you on the positive level. He'll do everything he can for you because he has made you a son and a daughter of God. But again, the choice is yours. He doesn't force you. So if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who became sin for you and died for your sins, then you can call upon Him and He will forgive you of your sins and He will give you a new heart, a new spirit, new nature, a new life. How? By grace through faith that not of yourself is a gift of God. Because you have believed the revelation of God's Word. That he truly died for you on the cross and rose from the dead. And so you're not coming to God based on who you are or what you can do. But you're coming to the Father based on what his son did for you. He did for you what you could never do for yourself. 
He paid the price of your sin. None of us can pay the price of our sin. It has to be absolute pure blood. Only Christ has that pure blood. And he shed it for you and I. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to open your heart to him. And open your heart and ask him in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and for your grace. And Lord, I pray that even now you will speak to us, Lord. And Father, those that are here or even over the internet who don't know you, Lord, that Father, you will speak to them. And like this Ethiopian, that they would um, be able to see your love and your desire to forgive them. And as they call on your name, that you would do so, Lord. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ again, This is your prayer to the Lord, not to us. I'm going to say a prayer of repentance is basic. There's no formal prayer. And as you say this, you're saying to the Lord to forgive you, that you want to be born again. And if you mean that, then he will save you. As much as this Ethiopian, as he declared that he believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And so if you want to be born again, you can repeat this prayer right where you sit. And he's going to save you right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. For all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you. As my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you made that.